The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the ninth episode, the mid-season finale of This Is Us. This one is called So Long, Marianne. Whoa, that was a really weird version of Marianne. Yep. What does the title reference, Paulo? A song I've never heard before. No, I don't think I've actually ever heard it either. It's pretty sad and haunty. All right. So this episode really hits um, all the characters and some of the characters just get a little bit of time. I feel like it was like the true holidays where, you know, everybody gets kind of like paired with different people than they normally would have been chit-chatting with. And you just get like small vignettes. I had like a little flash of like Home Alone, where do you remember at the beginning of the movie, it's like they're going around and it's super chaotic and they show like the pizza box and like soda spills on it and hands are reaching in and doors are opening and people are in the shower. And it's just like, it's busy and chaotic and you're just kind of wandering around getting these small vignettes with different people. You don't really delve into anyone's story very deep. And even though there's deep things going on, like things happening with Tess and Kevin, you just don't get that much time with everyone because the holidays are just chaotic. So I felt like the tempo was right on for what the holidays really feel like. This holiday season especially, didn't it seem like it went fast and furious? Yes. Even my grandma, who's like 93, she's experienced 93 Christmases. And even she commented to me that this year in particular felt super chaotic and just like very, like you didn't get a chance to really talk to anybody. It just felt like everyone was super busy. Go, go, go. I wonder if that's like a sign of the times or is my own family losing it? I don't know. Should we talk about the Pearsons and not my own family? Yes. We're going to tackle this one largely. This is them. (laughs) (laughs) Largely sequentially. Not not entirely, but largely. All right. Hit me with it, Paul. All right. So let's go into the Wayback Machine. Young Jack and <laughs> Nikki <laughs> at Thanksgiving. It sucks. The dads are inside yelling at each other. So what do they say? Want to split? Wait, the dads are inside yelling at each other? Yeah. It's, it's their dad and his dad are inside going oh, at it. Oh, I didn't catch that part. I thought it was the mom and dad yelling. Well, it depends on which flashback. There's... Okay. There's the much younger and then there's the uh, just before draft day age. They show both. Oh, okay. Okay. This scene is all about just filling us in on where the whole shrimp thing comes from. Because was, was there was there shrimp previous and I just missed it? Or no. is this just a Nikki No, that's only... what, this is what Nikki's bringing to the table because okay. this is what Nikki remembers as his Thanksgiving tradition with Jack. And Jack never observed it with the family. No, because it would have been his tradition with Nikki and he didn't have any ties with Nikki post-war. Got it. If you don't recall, they could afford the shrimp because he had placed a bet and he had won a bet that was, I guess, against maybe the Steelers or something because it was something his dad wasn't happy with. And that's why he was flush with money and could get the shrimp. The shrimp. All right. I liked that, though. I I liked that that Nikki had something that no one else knew about to bring to the table, literally concerning Jack, because I think that a lot of this has been like, you know, him not really sharing much of Jack with them. Like, remember, there's times when Nikki and Kevin would be talking and Kevin's like, tell me something about my dad. And he's like, "Mm, I don't know. And then Kevin's like, gee, thanks, man. Like, you know, there'd be like nothing. (laughs) Yes. So I was glad that he had this story to share. 
And we as viewers got to be really a part of it because they were sitting there showing it to us as it was happening. So we got to watch the story play out instead of him just telling the story to everybody. We actually saw it. Now, I'm going to use this as an example of questionable Jack. From the parents' point of view, the mom specifically, what kind of Thanksgiving did she have that her boys totally just took off on Thanksgiving. Shitty. So when we talk about, again, Sainthood Jack, and I was saying that, you know, sometimes he's not the straightest arrow there ever was. Do you see what I mean by that in terms of like, I guess it's like, it's like that, uh, that Sesame Street song. It's like, where you put your eye. That's about the size. That's about the size of it. You know that song? No. You don't know that song? Don't it's about, about it. like your point of view. It's about it. like, well, maybe my audience doesn't, Paul, so I'm explain to them. Okay. okay. Let them have it. So the point is just that, from maybe Nikki's point of view, here Jack was being like a superhero. But from like, say, his mom's point of view, Jack was kind of a dick. He took Nikki and they took off and they had dinner alone. And the mom had to sit there and have Thanksgiving dinner with no one. Now, is it Jack's responsibility to take care of his mom, a la Randall? I don't know. But I think that, that it a little bit sucks. I mean, he has his moment of being his mom's hero, but it comes much later. And we don't even know how that plays out yet, for God's sake. We right. know she talks about going to the neighbors. We still don't know if she made it to the neighbors the or what even happened. friend could have kicked her out. Right? We don't know. Maybe her friend's going to be like, I disagree with your choice. You should go back to your husband. So out of sequence to make, make sense with the story, but still back in the late 60s, early 70s, we have the men in the car talking about the song So Long. Or no, they're outside the car, right? We're talking about Nikki and Jack? Yes. Yeah. They're like laying on the car like kind of like overlook kind of place. Now, had you ever heard this song before? Because uh, my parents preferred to listen to what was known as oldies at the time when I was young and under the influence of what they had to listen to. Yeah. And the oldies station in in both Washington and Kingwood, uh, neither one of them made much headway with So Long, Marianne. I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember the song either. And as you know, I, you I, you could turn on a... 50s, 60s song, and most of the time we could at least sing the chorus mm -hmm. for you. So no, and and I'm not I'm not well versed in music, and yet I still feel like no, nah, I never even heard of this one. So I, and other people might pipe up and say, oh no, if you were of the day, this was very popular, or maybe maybe it wasn't very popular with mainstream and being on the radio, and maybe that's why Jack wouldn't have heard it, or maybe would have been a little bit more dismissive of it, and that's why Nikki, who might be a little bit more counterculture of the time. I would have heard it, I'm not sure where, in a club maybe or a bar or something or, you know, on some sort of just like local record kind of situation, you know. And then maybe I'm sounding super silly and other people who are listening are like, uh, that was the Rolling Stones who sang it. And I'm like making it sound like it's some <laughs> local band. I don't really know. But for sure, I can tell you, I don't know the song. So Now, in the moment there, did Jack come around to liking it right then? I would say that he showed to me appreciation of his brother's explanation of it. And I think that it reminded him of a really good night. Do you know how like sometimes you have a song that plays and it just triggers a memory for you of a time that was great? You know, for, for me in high school, I think the Joker, that song is something that I can I can distinctly remember driving in your car, singing, laughing, being silly. And that reminds me of us at that age. 
Not that that is a of the time when it came out, but it was just us. It was just a song we listened to that came on the radio or whatever. Yeah, we would be about twenty years older than we are had that been of the day. No, it wasn't of the day, but that's the thing. Like, so when I hear it, that's just what it it just reminds me of. So, and I have songs like that. So I think it's just a soundtrack of a moment for him. So he didn't necessarily love the song. I can relate to that. Love that sentiment. I can I can think of a few songs that when upon first hearing them, I didn't like them at all, and then. They were part of some experience that I did like. And then after that, I like to listen to this song. So I, I can totally appreciate that. Do you want to know this weird thing? I have a song and this is awful. I'm not going to remember the name of it right now. And maybe by the end of the podcast, I will. Um, I went to so many middle school dances, which is that sounds like such a funny, weird thing to say. But it was like a very th- hot thing in my town in Massachusetts to have all these middle school dances. And it's one of those things when, you know, sometimes something ends and you didn't know that was going to be the last time you were going to do it. Whatever that thing was. Yeah. Well, I had gone to this middle school dance and I'm telling you, it was like I was literally my dad was like picking me up and we were heading to Texas. And I didn't realize that this was going to be the last time I was going to be at a middle school dance dancing with kids that I knew. And it was a slow song. It wasn't Stairway to Heaven, but it was something kind of like that. It'll remind me. And looking back, it's like I didn't know that was the last time I was going to dance with a boy like that, that young that whatever because then there was like a kind of a long span of time before there was like another school dance in high school and then i was a different person by the time that that was really kind of next dance would have been a homecoming dance it it was it was i was a different person is the point i wasn't 12 year old caroline by the time that that next dance rolled around and it wasn't in shorts and a t-shirt which would have been middle school it was in like a cocktail dress you know it was completely different experience i didn't know that was gonna be my last time so when i hear that song every time i'm like oh that song dancing in like a weird church rectory (laughs) that's the whole point of that story me being reminiscent all right then we can assume that sometime over the span of jack's fatherhood he felt the same way about this song and and chose to share you suppose he just kind of regurgitated what Nikki said about the about the song? Cause- 150%. And that is what hits Nikki in the heart so much in, his, in the feels. The point of it really to me was that he appeared to Nikki to forget about Nikki entirely and not share Nikki with his kids. Yes. But the fact that he didn't label this a Nikki memory, but he shared the memory and he kept it to what Nikki said about it meant he did very much share Nikki and he never forgot him. And he always wanted him to be a part of his kids' lives. I think that's what gave Nikki like the confidence to be able to be a part of the Pearsons a lot more fully. We're going to fast forward to now-ish. It's going to center mostly around Randall's house, Randall's goings-ons. But before we get there, we're going to touch on Randall and Tobes. Okay. Not Randall, uh, Kate and Tobes. Kate and Tobes, okay. Now, in the last podcast, I said that I believed that uh, Kate should have let him have the memory of being the first to feed baby Jack. Yeah. And in this episode, she decides to take that away from him very actively. Yeah. Now, later in the episode, when she's having a little confession time with Beth, she says she hates CrossFit Tobes. I have to wonder, do you think that this is... You know, just setting the record straight because there's no, you know, lies between man and wife. Or do you think this is, I hate CrossFit Toby and this will hurt CrossFit Toby. Hmm. I think that 
definitely there seemed to be a little edginess about the fact that she just sort of like exasperatedly told him the truth because it wasn't like in a quiet moment when nothing was really going on where she was like, hey, Tobes, I actually need to tell you like I meant to tell you this. It's kind of awkward. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But it was more like when she was kind of annoyed with him that she decided to just say it, that it does come off definitely as like some sort of jab, you know, pushing buttons. But this is before the moment later when we. Lady Kryptonite. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's before that. Let's talk about that for just a second. So Lady Kryptonite, the name, a lot of people assumed that means it's a woman, right? But it really, that doesn't really make sense because Kryptonite obviously is having to do with Superman and like a weakness. If you're saying that you are ladies' weaknesses, right, that would actually imply you're a man. It would. In At least in theory. Could you be a gay woman? Sure. But even still... It's not in a relationship with Toby then, right? right. It's not Either a, way, that's not that's not someone who's looking at Toby if you're Lady Kryptonite. I at guess least there's in a, our assumption. There's a few levels that that getting a text like that or or overseeing a text like that because you're not overhearing it would engage in Kate, right? There's a fair level which it, Lady would like key in on, but there's also just he's talking to someone about my about me and, and our problems level, which isn't quite as high as a fair, but it's still serious. And I'm going to add even another layer. You're talking about that stuff at Thanksgiving during family time, which means that like that other person either doesn't have anybody or is also stepping away from their family to talk to you. That feels bad. Well, and, you, and the nature of the message. Oh, no. Hell yeah. I'm agreeing. I'm saying in addition to... Yeah. The actual content, which, yeah, if you're don't let her bring you down and stuff. Oh, 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 oh. You know how it is when like we have we have had a conversation where I'm like, don't ever say my name to someone else. Don't say Caroline said blah, 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 because almost nothing good can come of that pretty much. Right. Right. Like, say what you want to say or like have them direct them to me. But when you get into like a she said this and she said that, are you ultimately like just going to go down a bad path of like talking about that person and then the other person's going to want to talk back about that person. You're kind of, it's kind of bad, especially, especially again on Thanksgiving. If you are a priority to this other person to come and talk to on Thanksgiving, that's a problem. Agreed. This is probably the beginning of what we see kind of rip them up, wouldn't you guess? I'm thinking, but I mean, obviously not the beginning. We we have been laying down a very clear breadcrumb trail of, you know, she she fills out of the loop of what he's doing in his life. Things like, you know, going off and exercising again, just keeping stuff. Just keeping stuff generally. And that, that's what we we're talking about with the skeleton of the neighbor. Like um, and when I'm saying skeleton, what I mean is like it doesn't really matter what they're saying, but just the structure of the story. Like the story is she's keeping secrets with the neighbor. The structure of Toby's story is he's keeping he's keeping his feelings and things going on to his crops fit group rather than talking to Kate about them. This is like the UG. And so since he's doing it and she's doing it, yeah, I mean, that's bad. That's bad, bad, bad. But that's all we really get uh, in this episode on Well, it leaves us on, on that them. huge cliffhanger of her basically picking up the phone and seeing a message and it being like, uh. When we get to the flash forward, we'll talk about the tiny little nugget we get okay. with, with Kate uh, okay. on that. All right. So then after that, we basically head into Randall's whole world. And that's when everybody starts arriving. If you recall, 
Rebecca was pissed from last night and her memory's still good enough to remember that. <laughs> so she's isn't, isn't that a double edged sword? She can remember the the shitty thing you said. She can't remember how to get home. And then that's where the big trick of the episode starts. She decides to go for her walk. You've only seen her for a second. And this is kind of that Westworld. I guess the logos are different kind of moment where I guess she leaves in, an, in some kind of outfit. And yeah. if you're eagle eyed, you'd see she's not wearing the same outfit. Yeah. And, so and, you, you think she she goes to a movie and the grocery store because in his one storyline, she's like she's going to go get a pie. And in, or flowers and in another storyline she's going to go see a movie and all that gets inter interwoven but by the end of the episode you can see oh okay this you actually have to separate those two situations in the now storyline she she did turn off her phone because she was in the movie and so that's why she didn't but she didn't get lost and all that shit didn't happen but in the future storyline she had gone to the grocery store for the pie and the flowers and stuff and then that's when she gets turned around and actually has to be returned to by by the cops this reminds me of a movie that i saw starring jason ritter it was a very low budget science fiction movie that the the premise was that kind of like a zombie movie something goes wrong and it affects everybody right and in this case what affects everybody is that they lose the ability to form memories okay it affects different people in different ways there's one character that they follow who has reverted basically to a feral human he just goes from violent event to violent event. And he, there's even a moment where a gang of other people come across him, rape him, and, and leave him. And he cries for a few moments, and then he forgets that it happened. Then he goes back and starts doing his evil things again. Good Lord. And uh, Jason Ritter's character is with this girl who they wake up every day, they look at each other, they don't really remember, but they feel comfortable with each other. And they figure like, since they're wearing something that, that they're both wearing, you know, like a, not a ring, but something kind of like that, they figure that they're connected and they don't seem threatening to each other. So they keep hanging out with each other as the day goes forward. They get hungry, they, they find food, they stay together. And that's how they survive until at the very end they get separated by just like a few minutes she's like oh i'll just go do this over here and he'll go he'll go i'll be right back and then that's all it takes and they just wander off and the look that she gets on her face in the grocery store when she comes in we think that she's there looking for a pie and she asks for flowers or whatever it is yeah that look of like my mind was just erased a second ago. Yeah. Um, that, that where the hell am I? Yeah. Uh, that reminded me of that, that low budge movie. That, yeah. Amnesia-ish feeling. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that it's very scary. I think that they did a good job of disorienting the audience in the two weaving storylines to make you feel confused. And that's always cool when the character themselves is supposed to be feeling confused and they manage to make you feel that way. It's like a trick of storytelling. Good on them for making us all feel that way. And whatever the the outfit differences were, they were subtle enough to not stand out so, so much. Um, but it was easy to unweave by the end and figure out like, okay, I see what happened here. I appreciate this kind of construction. I mean, I've, I've read a few different reviews in preparation for the podcast here, and some people thought this is... Uh, 
this is us doing what they do best. And other people thought the same thought, but like the diff- the opposite side of the coin. This is this is us doing what they do best, which is sort of like tricking and manipulating us, making us feel and and so giving them low marks for that. And but I, I see it the other way. I see it like no that hurts my head when you said it like that. I see it more like there's they're 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 good storytellers and they're yeah, I mean there's some manip- manipulation to it, but isn't any good drama some amount of manipulation? So what do you expect? Look, we're gonna come back to Rebecca, I think, later on. Uh back at Randall's house. Do you really believe that Randall A would have been well, no, that makes sense. It makes sense that he would have been entrusted with the Pilgrim Jack hat because he's the one with a permanent house. Right. But that they would have left a that, box in the attic. That he would have forgotten not really. Pilgrim Jack. I don't believe it. Not and not just that, but just anything. I mean, he's such an OCD kind of person. I just really feel he would have checked every nook and cranny. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it's, I guess it's plausible you could leave a box in the attic. I mean, certainly people left them here. Like when we moved into this house. Oh, yeah. Our, our, Yearbooks. Yeah, our people left a bunch of stuff here. And some of the stuff we tried to get back and some of it, they were like, we don't even want that. We were trying to give it to like the neighbors to get it to them. And so, I mean, we were trying to do all kinds of things. And then finally it was like, wah, wah. We don't even like you guys. So <laughs> whatever. Well, we just at some point it was like, I, don't, I mean, they said we don't want that stuff. So I was like, well, we're going to have to stop trying to contact right. you guys. That's or our find sign. You. Yeah, I mean, please. But no, I do I do think it was odd. I, I understand that they had to give them a reason to take a car trip and to put Randall and Nikki together, give them some time. And to add to the kind of the, just the franticness of the day. Just yes. like, where is everybody? Who's Where's mom? You know, that sort of yes, thing. Yes, 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 yes. But yeah, I think it ultimately was to get those two together. And without them being together, then there's no there's no introducing so long Marianne, right? So uh, forgetting Pilgrim Jack, I mean, come on, that doesn't make any sense. The other big event, I guess, happening at the house is that Shauna arrives early and she's practically like, um, I can't think of the right uh, person out of pop culture, but she's really put together. Uh, compared to the last time we saw her. Yeah, I think I think um, that she seemed so put together is a, a very good phrase. She seemed like she was strong, healthy. Her she had mind, brought something like food, right? Yeah, her mind was in a good place. Her emotional state seemed to be in a good place. Could you understand Deja's frustration that Deja had walked beside her for so many years her mom had been such a mess and basically let her down so many times that ultimately she had to just be turned over to foster care and then adopted out to another family. It would be pretty distressing to see like it only took what the matter of like 24 months or something and you got all your shit together and it, it would make you feel as a kid like I was the one holding you back that somehow the second I exited your life in a permanent way you suddenly had the fortitude to be this go-getter, like that feels shitty. If you've been listening to our podcast, then you know that we exist in the special needs universe. And there is a noticeable contingent of people who, upon having special needs children, they can't deal. And they give that kid to mostly their parents. The grandparents, right. 
And whenever you happen to run in to that kid's parent, they don't seem too bad. You know, they seem they seem kind of put together. But in this, it's sort of the same situation here. You know, it's like onlookers are probably thinking, why couldn't you have gotten it together with for your kid? I mean, look what you're doing to your parents. Your parents are 70 having to raise this teenager. What what are you doing? But I'm going to go with and this this is just a huge cop out, but they're just not wired for it. You know, just like if you add the kid back into this put together person's life, I bet it goes to shit again. You know what I mean? Just the added responsibility and anxiety that the person puts on themselves for having to care for another person. I think. Right. Or the guilt of not being like maybe she could be working at her job 80 hours a week. But had Daisha been sitting at home, it would have looked like Deja cooking her own dinner alone in the apartment. You know, like it wouldn't it wouldn't have played out how it did to Asia to Deja's eyes being away from the house. It would have looked like she was like abandoned. Her mom was throwing herself into her career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it wouldn't have looked the way it looks now. Yeah. So I think it's a no win sitch. Like, and you're right. Like everything was manageable when the grandma was still alive. Remember the grandma was kind of taking over the reins, but once Shauna lost her support system and she had kind of turned to these, you know, very questionable people in her life. Well, it just didn't leave any room for, like you said, to have another added responsibility of a kiddo. And so she made the best choice she thought she could for good or for bad. I'm not in the business of giving people too many excuses, but I think that just is what makes sense to me for Shauna. You add Deja back in, all of a sudden Shauna's life doesn't look so good anymore. That's my, that's my personal theory. And that's about it for those two in this. Like Shauna doesn't cause any disruptions or anything that I don't remember during the meal, does she? Nah. The confession out in the yard between Beth and Kate. We don't get a whole lot of Beth and Kate solo time no but this was the cool thing about the like chaos of the holidays and matching people in weird ways you get like nikki and randall beth and kate like it's cool like that i like that and that's where where beth admits you know that with shauna looking like you know the prize pig at the fair (laughs) where does that leave her in deja's life which is a really good question and i think that it it really does address the questions that i'm sure all foster and adoptive parents have when a birth parent comes into the picture is like well how do i fit in and even in the last episode malik said she wants to see her mom pause her birth mom because it was like what does that make beth you know if she wants to see her mom you know, and so there was like that, like awkwardness of like, oh, let me clarify her birth mom. Like you do still have a role here. She's just the lady that's giving you every opportunity you're going to have. And trying to support life. you right. so much. But I but at the same time, like it's understandable that Deja still wants to have contact. Now, like, I'm not sure that it was right to bring Shauna in on Thanksgiving. Maybe the right thing would have been just for Deja and Shauna to have lunch together on a random Sunday afternoon. You know, something where the stakes were a lot lower. They could actually interact with each other like kind of more quietly. Everybody kind of puts on a good front in the holidays. No, I mean, everyone's wearing their their bestity best. Everyone's got their smiliest face on, you know, everyone's. This was very grand gesture. Yeah. Everybody, well, but everyone's trying really hard. Right. As opposed to like Shauna could have come in on a Sunday lunch and been probably a little bit more. I'm going to say real and a little less like put together necessarily, you know, because what are the chances Shauna really is that put together day to day? Exactly. This is just that you shine up your shoes because it's Thanksgiving. It's like tomorrow I'll be at my absolute 
best because it's Monday. But by the time it's Friday, right, I'm you're like, gonna be wearing jeans and like, right, like having showered and holding my hair down with like spit and stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that it was, you know, I think the holidays are are kind of a a wienery time to judge people. Really, you can put that down in your books. Wienery time. It, this is sort of a tit for tat. I guess that's how it works in woman land. So Beth comes oh, out God, and what? says, "and says this is my evil thought. And then so Kate says, how about I one up you with I hate CrossFit Toby? Oh, it's not tit for tat. It's when you share something in order to assure you that your secret's safe with me, I will share collateral secret. Is this like in Mean Girls where they stand around the mirror and say- my my tummy's too big or my thighs are too thick. And, Maybe. And, and then sort of. It, it stops with Lindsay Lohan and she doesn't know what to say. So, and they're all like, uh, you need to say something bad about yourself, basically. Kind of. Yeah. But it's, but, but men can do this too. I mean, it's just, it's just collateral. It's, it's like, I know you're not going to say something bad about what I just told you because I have something on you. So it's just, it's like, it's more emotional blackmail of one another, I guess I want to say, hmm. where one's, you, you know, you're safe because you've got something shitty on the other person. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go around assuming men do the same thing. <laughs> All right. You're like a little <laughs> salty tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Women do this. And I think that we do it all the time. I definitely do it. If someone's like, man, I'm having a really hard day and I feel like, I just feel like shit. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I have days when I feel like shit too. Like I'm going to try to make them feel as if they're not alone in the situation. And that collateral, if somebody's going to tell me something like I did something super horrible and then they look at you with that face, which there's a certain face the other person gives you and you know this is your time when you're supposed to say, don't feel bad. I did this horrible thing. And then you just tell whatever horrible thing you did. Mm. That's, that's the time when they're like giving this yearning eyes like, please tell me I'm not the only person who's ever done something horrible. Yeah. Men don't do that. You don't tell each other the horrible thing in the first place. Y'all are just whatever. So not, I'm not impressed with your man ways. Here's the thing, though. You just said that guys don't share. But here's Toby sharing in the CrossFit group that I feel like I'm not quite remembering. But I want to say there was like six or eight people on that thread. Oh, sheesh. Yeah. And he's like talking about his wife. That's not good. Yeah. That's a. Uh... So on the share column, I'm going to say, uh, I mean, he is sharing and he's talking about like private biz. So you can see where she's like unnerved by the end. And it's not the same thing as going to him and saying, hey, I'm not really so sure about how much time you're spending with the CrossFit folks. Now with this new info, it's like, oh, fuck. Toby has shot himself in the foot by not um including her in any way on this part of his journey by keeping it secret and and all that like maybe it's it was necessary that he needed to go on the journey for himself but doing it the way that he did it ensured that it will only end badly for their couplehood the moment that he puts all of this emotional stock into this people if you were to say I'm completely good with you doing, you know, exercise classes and taking whatever you want to do. Let's switch gyms. And the second that you said that, he said, well, I don't want to switch gyms and I have to be with these people. Then you're like, eh, this isn't about going to the gym. You are like sucked onto these people. And I have a problem with you sucking onto a group of people and talking about me that I don't have anything to do with. That's when things would get like icky correct me if i'm wrong but the only times we've, we've actually seen him at the gym 
was him whipping the ropes and he yeah. was doing that alone. But that's a CrossFit thing. They have like stations. Oh, shows what I know. I just have seen the commercials of the people, you know, doing the thing, but I don't know the actual function of there's the, like stations. Of the group. And so it's so it wouldn't be like weird that he's doing that. And and there's definitely like events that CrossFit holds, um, where it's sort of like you have a couple partners or you make like a little squad or whatever and you're like you're trying to beat times of maybe another group in the gym or that type of thing. So I mean there's all kinds of stuff where they are trying to make you supportive of one another. There's a small side jaunt with Kevin and Tess. Like you said, the unlikely pairings continue in this episode. And I feel like this is just another in a string of, oh yeah, Tess is gay moments that they just pinch into an episode and rather than giving her any time to develop this, this part of her character, she just has to have just a snippet of going with Kevin to come out to the clown box at the, at the fast food. Do you feel the same way or do you feel... Do you feel like like they're servicing her character and what she's going through? Nah, you know how I feel. I, I feel like that both Tess and Annie are getting the short end of the stick. And I have no idea why. They're both very capable actresses. They have, you know, storyline potential. And, you know, we stick with Randall's family so often, but we spend all of our time with Deja. And I never understand that. It's always confusing to me. So I don't get why they do this and must be someone's personal story that they are using where someone did this, where they went and came out to like a, a restaurant drive through box. One of the writers probably. Or something. I mean, I don't know, somebody's family member or something like it seems very real and very much like something you might do to kind of practice feeling comfortable saying whatever it is you need to say, which it could be anything. You know, it doesn't have to be um, outing your sexuality, but it really could be anything that you might want to get off your chest. You could go and tell a restaurant worker, you know, and that could be a way to cope with things. I thought that the way that then she she put some things out on social media and and then got a positive response. I thought that that was, again, probably very realistic. It was just a tiny part. I'm not I don't know if it would have felt worse in another episode. I guess it felt okay to me only because this was the chaos of Thanksgiving. So you could only give each each character or each pairing of characters these little like tiny vignettes that was like acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um so I guess I'm okay with it within this episode. But do I think that they're giving Tess enough time to develop who she is, what's going on with her? Why aren't we seeing her visit the city? Why aren't we sitting seeing her have friends why deja right i don't know i don't understand this if anybody in the audience can shed any light as to why do they only choose one of these characters of the children to have a storyline and the rest of them get way sidelined i would love to hear it you've said in this uh, other podcast that you enjoy the parallels so we get the nikki explaining where the shrimp came from but then we also get the little flash of baby jack future Jack, mm. um, having shrimp cocktail at his Thanksgiving table. Now, I don't know if it's shrimp cocktail. Isn't shrimp cocktail is little? Well, this is like it, a the, gigantic it's, it's like a chalice with, with the with the shrimp all positioned around it with oh, the cocktail. Oh, that makes it a shrimp cocktail. Yeah. I don't know anything. I'm not a, I'm not a shrimp eater. She's not. I'm not. So um, so that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I did love that, that it was a little reassurance to us. I felt like like a little pat on our back, like, 
this particular family tradition is going to continue long past Nikki and this moment. So just rest assured this is going to go forward. It did make me feel happy. The last positive thing that, that I can that's in my notes is just the Kevin. This is when Kevin says that he'll be married by the time he's 40. Have a kid. The whole shebang, as he puts it. Yeah, that was quite a prediction to lay out there at Thanksgiving. Again, bold, bold moves on Thanksgiving. Given that you're 39. Well, and you come in and you're just full of yourself, right? This is like, this is you're showing your best self. You're living your best life at Thanksgiving when it comes to other people. You're like, hello, I'm here wearing my my best Sears outfit and I'm going to make these decrees of by next Thanksgiving, you're going to see X, Y, Z, right? Right. This is, this is what the holidays bring on people, Paul. Bold claims. So there's really only two more things to cover. Anything else you'd like to cover about Rebecca's walk? And then of course the future jump. Ooh, I, I mean, I, again, I just compliment them for, for being a little bit confusing and disorienting because it, it worked for me. Like when- it might not even, even been the same day you know like they could have been episodes from from days spread out where she was confused in the store confused in the park confused there but these were all different days it could have been i don't know okay okay anything's plausible but i but yeah i mean obviously we know the two main days are like thanksgiving in philly and birth a 40th birthday party in at the cabin yeah those are the two main days we need to pay attention to but you're right that those could have been snippets from all different times she wandered away or all different times she got lost. We would really have to go back and look at some specifics like, you know, on her coat or her, you know, whatever time of year, that kind of thing. Um, I did think when the, when the cop car pulled up to the cabin, that was my only like, damn, (laughs) like I was like, they're at the cabin. Like I did kind of like freak out. Yeah. We were watching time jump footage without even knowing it. Right. But that was given that. That was the birthday, mm-hmm. and the birthday happens in August or September. Basically, whenever the show comes back, that's their birthday. What? <laughs> so um, that would be nine-ish months from then, give or take. Yeah, um, with the fall, right? That amount of of loss is terrifying, wouldn't you say? I mean, just going from functional at a at a family event to can't take care of herself anymore. Well, it makes me, it definitely lets me know that, that whatever this is, it seems to be pretty fast moving. And obviously, I mean, the biggest part of that is that whatever this is, is likely to have caused a big rift. We believe this is the cause of the rift between Kevin and um, Kate and Randall. So, you know, Kevin and Kate are, you know, team, whatever. And, and that Rebecca and Miguel are with them celebrating their birthday and Randall is nowhere to be seen. And they say, you know, we're not talking to him. So, I I mean, I'm most concerned about that. Um, well, what's interesting is that Randall is basically the Christopher Columbus of the occasion, right? He's the first there to be like, mom has um, memory issues. So then it makes me think that um, there's going to be as there are often in siblings with with uh, ailing parents, a disagreement on the philosophy to follow for care. That is my very best guess. And or maybe he agrees to hide information from the other two for some period of time because that would get siblings upset. It is definitely something that 
I think happens in a lot of families. I think have happened in our own families where one of the siblings knows something that's going on with the parents or with another sibling and, you know, maybe has been asked to keep it quiet. And they're a part of it in some way for for what gets revealed later to have been a serious amount of time. And not only then do you have to deal with whatever the news is, but you have to deal with the fact that like you've been talking with your sibling every freaking day or every couple times a day or something, whatever, and they never told you. So then you get that like double like, you know what, if if every time we talk, you aren't going to tell me anyway, maybe we just don't need to talk. How about that? Right. You know, and that seems like what could easily happen, even more so than a disagreement of care. Maybe the siblings are just left out. You know, maybe Kevin and Kate have just been left out of the care decisions. They're playing catch up and don't appreciate being played catch up. And definitely I read a little interview with Sterling K. Brown and uh, one of the comments that he made was that any time that Randall tries to come to the forefront or and like take the reins of the family, Kevin is always going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So I don't know how exactly it's going to play out. Like I said, it could be true decision making or it could just be a lack of, of information sharing that could I hadn't considered that angle, but that also it's natural is very in a family. plausible. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're easily, Rebecca could say, I'm okay with you coming to the doctor with me, but please don't tell your sister or brother. You know, they both have a lot of stress going on in their lives and I just don't want to, you know, be more on them. And so whatever it is, let's just keep this between R and R, you know, like kind of stroke his ego. They've been setting up this special relationship the whole time. They and- really have, like hard. And it's always been painted as purely beneficial and uh, to those two anyway. Um, but being this is us, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's makes a lot of sense that they would show where that kind of relationship is, is great for as long as you don't need to hide information from anybody because otherwise then it becomes really easy to do so. I think so. And I think that, you know, just whenever information is omitted, it just creates this, mm, the doubt of like, what else have you been hiding or what else has been going on? And I think that that really eats away at even the most trusting relationships, you know, between siblings who have been together for forever and ever and ever their whole lives. I think that you would be like, you know what? You've played the R&R card quite enough and I'm done. Like this is my mom and she's coming with me for my 40th birthday. My fiance is pregnant, you know, and you can go eat your cheese and crackers and shrimp at your own house for Thanksgiving. You've got your own family, you know, why don't you just go be with them? I think that I don't, I mean, that's, (laughs) I would not want to be in that position, but you could see when it comes down to care for parents, when you have multiple siblings, like I have a situation where my brother works with my dad. There's times when information is obviously going to be shared between the two of them at like lunch because they eat lunch together every day that my dad isn't going to like readily relay to me who he would have to call out of the blue and just randomly share something that naturally came out during lunch, you know? Right. And so, and, and I don't hold that against my brother or my dad or anything like that. But if my dad was like, guess what? I am suffering from some sort of disease where I'm losing my memory, but, and Adam's known for a year and he just hasn't ever told you, would there be a conversation between my brother and I? Hells yeah, there would be. Okay. Oh my goodness. I just want to watch that. (laughs) 
it, it might not look like a conversation so much as a uh, smackdown that would come that direction. I rarely get to observe. <laughs> oh, 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 you're revealing so much. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I just think that generally speaking that just omitting information among siblings is can be like way worse than I don't I don't even I, my very best guess is they're not going to have an actual conflict of care. My guess is that it's going to be like, how did mom get this bad and no one noticed? Oh, Randall, you knew this whole time. Okay. Duh, fuck. Yeah. And then you're like, uh, you know. So then other little things that were noticeable in the cabin were. There's a fiance. There's a pregnancy. We got those, right? Yeah. Kevin's fiance. Kevin's got a pregnant person. Then there's Kate signing. Kate uh, Pearson, right? Rather than Kate Damon, right? And we're sure she took Damon. I am not, and that's something that has been debated amongst the fans. That a lot of people said, like, "Hey, in you know this day and age, there's no reason why she would have taken his name necessarily." So let's not all jump to conclusions. That's fair. I mean, a fair amount of the women that I that I know that have been married of late haven't, and they're not necessarily. Uh, making any kind of statement. They just liked their name, <laughs> right? So I'm not sure. Um, but I think they wouldn't have zoomed in on her signing something were it not important. They're, these are the closing moments of a cliffhanger. You know, every I, second counts. I agree. And they're obviously trying to let us know where various relationships stand at this point. That's the, that's the, the theme of that last part is like, where do relationships stand? Miguel sitting on the couch. Okay, so we know Rebecca and Miguel still together, right? Yes. We know now that siblings are not talking. Okay, that relationship's established. Okay, there's a fiance relationship established. She signs her maiden name. Mm, how could we not make the leap to say that relationship is showing signs of a problem? Really, I mean, I, I haven't. I only know a couple of women who have been divorced. How quickly do they do they revert? You know, to the- oh, it's in the divorce proceeding, from what I understand. I think that that's part. The judge asks you when you sign the divorce thing, or when you're at the proceeding, they say, "And do you want to go back to your maiden name, or do you have like a name change?" To that's like part of it. Can you go from zero to sixty in nine months in California? I don't know about that. I mean, some places yes, some places no. California is a no fault state. That would imply you don't have to prove anything or do anything. So. I'm not sure they could just simply be separated or, you know, again, she may she may have taken like so for my own name, I have my maiden name as my middle name. Like I know that my mom just accidentally wrote a check to me with my maiden name. The bank took it because on my thing, it's my first maiden name, last name daily. So they didn't really bat an eye like they recognize that that's my name as well. You know? Yeah. So I guess you could and it's on my driver's license as, you know, Caroline Cubs this daily. So. I, I don't know. I guess I guess a police officer would accept that, you know, as your name, I guess. I mean, I guess what the hell are they really looking at it and asking you for your I mean, I didn't see them asking for ID or you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think someone just needed to write a name on there. And that's but the fact that that she chooses that that's the name she's going to use is obviously key. All right. So then looking forward into the next half of this um, season, we've got to get Kevin a girlfriend, which. Looks like that'll be Sophia Bush. <laughs> We've got to 
disintegrate um, Toby and Kate's relationship and similarly disintegrate Randall and and his ties to the uh, the other members of the big three. I think that that's easy. I think something is going to happen and they've already set it up in this fall um, first portion. Something's going to happen with Randall's mental health. They've already um, had him having signs of having an issue, the running, um, the uh, movement, you know, the the jumpy leg, the uh, various concerns that Beth has seen. And she's already pointed out to him. And anytime you have that moment where someone's like, hey, I think you need to see a doctor about this in this show to me is like, yeah. Well, the one moment that gave Tess some story was to remind us that Randall has anxiety. That's another part of it. Yeah, that that also happened in this beginning part. So all of those things put together spells to me, Randall's going to have some sort of breakdown. Now, you pointed out a really important part that Deja's relationship with Malik could add some sort of fodder to, you know, some sort of negative something going on in his councilman life, you know, and is it possible that something more happens, some sort of scandalous something happens? I think it is plausible. I think something could happen. I don't know what exactly, but I think that politics as it is, I mean, they they showed us during the campaign that, you know, people kind of take anything and run with it, you know? Sure. Not going to church was enough to to ruffle feathers. So I I really think that maybe you're right on that. Maybe that's something. But it also could simply be keeping the secret of his mom. Maybe that's going to be something that unnerves him, makes him feel like he's not doing the right thing. He's just not sure about it. He he gets amped up in some way. You know, we know people who when someone in their family member, fam, one of their family members has like a flare up or whatever, it affects them. You know, like their anxiety goes through the roof, you know, yeah. and they get very manic and can't really handle things. So that seems like it could be a trigger. You know, her having a problem could be a trigger for him. I think that that's what's going to happen with Randall. What do you see happening with Kevin? Somehow he's got to meet the woman of his dreams, right? Is it back in LA? Is it in Philly? Is it, or is it where Uncle Nicky lives, which he's, is not? He's, uh, I bet they will advance to the point where Kevin is working again. Back in LA. Yeah. Okay. So then what happens with Nicky? Does he fall out completely or do we, I mean, we spent a great deal of this season on Nicky's storyline. So if the back half of the arc for this season doesn't include him very much, I mean, that's not weird nikki 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 nikki's got to wind up in la at some point oh you think so okay yeah do you think he brings that fancy fancy motor home you know if i was kevin i would have just left that on his lot yeah i think it was like a rental so i'm not sure if he bought it or what i think it was a rental i can't remember but anyway so all right so you think he's heading out to la sooner or later yeah yeah i do entry well i mean that will officially close the book on cassidy if we leave that area that would, which is maybe an important move in all this. Of all the, um, the the concepts and characters introduced in the in the premiere episode this season, mm-hmm. all the other ones had more legs. Baby Jack, he's, yeah, we got to get back to that, right? <laughs> and 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 Malik looks like he's sticking around for a while still. So for for Kevin's um, future looking story to fizzle out in half a no, season, not fu- no, 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 no. 
I think she, that Cassie's going to be replaced by Sophia Bush. He gets a mid-season replacement new character. So his story's not going to fizzle out. It's just, it was a it was a switcheroo. Like, we thought she was going to go to the distance. It's not going to be her. I think it's going to be Sophia Bush that no, that's, goes. That's, that's fizzling out in my book. If you, if you Oh, I just think it brought him to the point of being okay to go out to L.A., where he's going to go meet, like, the next person. Like, I think he's okay to leave now. His forward-looking pieces have had this go on before like when they show him on the way to vietnam right with zoe that Mm -hmm. was just a very short-term deal and then they introduce cassie and that's a very short-term deal i wonder if the sophia bush character will since she wasn't in the in the uh, rebecca end of life scenes i wonder if she's also a short-term deal just long enough to get the kid going and that's <laughs> that's it maybe maybe that's all it'll be i mean uh, certainly there's no there's no history to show us that he can go to the dis- go the distance in terms of marriage and everything and and the little guy was it was just him so that was at the house um but it definitely seems like kevin keeps little guy um so i don't know intrig- anything could happen maybe the maybe the wife will die in childbirth it sounds like she's having a really difficult pregnancy you know, um, that would certainly parallel some stuff with Rebecca in terms of like one of the babies dying, but Rebecca lives. Maybe the baby lives and the mom dies this time, you know, mm. like anything could happen, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't count out some tragedy for for Kevin's world to end up with the kiddo, but not the wife. That won't surprise me at all. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any intel. I'm just talking. Kevin. Then we have Toby and Kate. And I mean, I know everybody's talking divorce for sure. For sure. I don't know if that's, if that's really gotta be. Um, I know they talked about Toby not wearing a wedding ring. I know there was a question mark about whether or not he would be welcome to come and see Rebecca. All those things. God, there was so much to all those little snippets that we've had really really spread out now like when i think about beth and it was like it's time to go see her tess it's time to go see her all those little moments this is all leading back to this same thing here's my theory that that just came to me oh my god what they do get divorced which one kate and and toby tobes okay but But, they're gonna reconcile but they try to reconcile and just as things look like they're gonna hit their stride she gets hit by a bus <gasps> or something, and that's why she's not in those final scenes. Okay, so so many people are certain that Kate is dead. We really think they're going to kill Kate? Makes sense. Wow, okay. People are so certain. I don't even know what to say. I really don't. I, my bones don't have that vibe that she's going to die, but I mean, ugh, I don't know. I guess there's so many people who think it's true. That it's hard to it's hard not to give it some thought. Okay, then what? But what did you think about then? Obviously, Jack is okay, and and everything you know moves forward with Jack comes out okay. his own life, and yeah. um, you know, so I guess maybe Toby raises him is what you're thinking. He gives up him and Lady Kryptonite raise Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? There's so much, and from what I've heard, the the little interview that I read from Sterling said that the back half of this season is like shocking about Randall, like the turn of events that happens with him. He described it as that by next Thanksgiving, he's going to be sitting, this is what it said, in a corner eating his cheese and crackers, just sitting in a corner alone. Well, I could use kind of some shakeup. This first half of the season was not as compelling as- Didn't have enough fireworks for you? Well- It feels like a setup time. We talked about this too. A lot of the shows we're watching right now, we're in the third or fourth season. We're plug, plug, plugging along. You know, it's not really 
you know, it's not the time to make a huge move in terms of what's happening. Um, sometimes they bring in a new character, but you kind of know they're not going to stick it out to the end. And um, all of our shows seem to be kind of doing that right now. So I wasn't expecting something gigantic out of This Is Us, especially in the first half. So it just feels like the episodes that are setting up the back half, that's going to be the big, like all like, it's like a pyrotechnic show where it's like, okay, I see what you did here. You shot off a couple different things. I see, I see the different types of, of things you've, you've done now get, get to it where you're going to start, you know, ramping up the like, like start it, start with the <laughs> overtures. Like let's get going. Right. Yeah. All right, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoy this. And we want you to join us over on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse. Come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot. Join us on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse. Come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters. Thanks for listening, pod people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.